Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, welcome back to The Advertising Show, being brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. Visit online at adage.com. Advertising Show is a copyrighted Big Radio Midget production. We're back here with another encore performance for you. We've chosen the, uh, the folks that you have chosen as your very, very favorite guests over the past couple of years. And Scott Donatan certainly qualifies as one of those guests. You know him from Advertising Age and a whole bunch of other really cool ventures. Uh, basically, he is a guy really connected to the ad uh, community, and uh, we know you'll enjoy listening to this interview. If you didn't hear it the first time, well, it's a great one to catch, and if you're listening again, that's even better. Stay with us here at The Advertising Show. We have followed uh, Scott Donington through a variety of roles and responsibilities. He was the ad manager at the KFC on, uh, uh, let's see, uh, what was that, uh, South Boulevard, I think it was, in Chicago or whatever, and uh, and various things as, uh, through uh, advertising age and, and all different kinds of great places as well. Scott is now the president and CEO of Ensemble, a branded entertainment company, uh, a unit of uh, Interpublic's uh, media brands and works with clients of the uh, global media management firms UM and Initiative as well as uh, uh, dedicated clients as well. So, Scott, it, it, again, you, you're one of our more frequent guests, and uh, I think we said you passed Steve Martin as being most frequent, which is good, and to put you right at the top there. So welcome back to the advertising show. It's always great to have you here. Thank you. I'm always glad to be here. I tried for the weekly gig, but uh, you guys turned me down somehow. Well, yeah. You know, it, it, well, it's the economy, Scott. I'm so sorry to say that, though. You know, we had to cut back somewhere. Well, he was job uh, hopping too much. He was unreliable. We didn't think we could get him every week. <laughs> hey, you know, speaking of that, Scott, I'm holding a press release here dated July 30th, 09, that headlined Donatan to lead Media Brands Ensemble. It quotes your uh, your president and CEO of Media Brands, uh, Nick uh, Bryan, who talks about the entertainment industry I'm quoting now, is continuously impacted by many cultural perspectives across the globe, creating a wide palette of brand, platform, and content development opportunities. And then the uh, the press release goes on to say, Donatan was not available for content uh, for comment. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that was, I thought, interesting. It was kind of the setting the tone for the future. Donatan, not available for comment. It says it right on his badge he wears. I see that right there, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, let's let, let's spend a few minutes and talk a little bit about your transition from the editorial side to the business side of media, Scott. Uh, you know, you were years uh, editor at Ad Age, and then you went on to become publisher at Entertainment Weekly. Now you're CEO of a branded entertainment company. I'm curious. Uh, any any uh, I, any thoughts along the lines of this parallel universe that you've created for yourself in terms of one feeding into the other and the benefits of having straddled the fence here in both worlds? Well, I think you hit it on the head. The funny thing is some people look at some of the moves I've made and they say, wait a minute, I don't, how, did, how did you go from this to this to that? And, and I look at it and, and it seems like a very natural transition and there are others who, who get that as well. So I was a journalist for many years in my career, and by the way, I think the skeptical thinking that journalism teaches you, or I know that it's a skill that, that really comes into play no matter what you do for a living. 
but I was a journalist for advertising age, and so it meant that from the beginning my job was to understand marketing and brands and media and the business models of, of agencies and, and, and where it all came together and the ways in which it worked, and I got to talk to people from every side of the world. I got to view it from every angle. I got to watch the mistakes. I got to watch the victories, uh, pull the common lessons from them, and, and really that was my education in brands and marketing. So when I moved over to the business side of media, first moving from editor to publisher of Ad Age and then moving to publisher of Entertainment Weekly, um, that was a great opportunity to take all these things that I had learned and really put them into play and, and look at the ways that I had seen business models run and, and the theories I had developed about what I thought, you know, how I thought they could be run and, 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 and put those into practice. And by the way, in some cases, the things that I would sit there and say, that's crazy, why do they do this this way, they should do it that way. Sometimes when I tried doing it the other way, I was, <laughs> I was dead on right, and sometimes I went, oh, that's why they did it that's that way. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then the other piece of this is the entertainment industry, and, and while I was editor of Ad Age, I started a franchise called Madison and Vine, which was about the convergence of entertainment and marketing, uh, really in an age of consumer empowerment. And that really played into the Entertainment Weekly move, and obviously my relationship to the entertainment business was even deeper there. So when I had this opportunity, which was to create uh, an agency that would basically bring together Madison and Vine, would connect these brands to content, it was just, to me, the culmination of everything I had been doing until that point. So do you miss uh, publishing and, in particular, journalism? No, I mean, again, I, I, you know, I, it was about, for me, the platform of, of being able to write sometimes and offer opinions and, 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 and have those, you know, kind of d debated in the industry and, and help to be at the center of that was is something that, that, I, that I've always enjoyed and something I still um, have gotten to do, not as frequently, but I've still done in, in the other roles that I've had. But I think the real thing for me is, is the constant interaction with brands and their challenges, with media, with the evolution of where things might go. And what I really love about about this now is, is again, when you're a journalist, you're kind of observing it, and you're almost, as somebody once described to me, you're on the outside of the house looking in the window versus being inside the house and really getting a chance not just to comment on changing business models, but to potentially and hopefully help bring about the new models that are going to be what marketing becomes in this new age. Well, let's get into your head on that. You wrote a book back in 2004 entitled Madison and Vine, uh, way ahead of its time, I might add, one of the first books out on the subject. Now, some six years later, I'm curious in your thought, is branded content really ready for prime time now? I think it is. You know, it's funny, there were sort of waves here, and you can go back. I mean, some people talk about going back to the 1950s and, and the earliest days of television. In fact, you can go back... You can actually go back to Renaissance paintings, and there was product placement in those, believe it or not. But, sure. but when we talk about this kind of current incarnation, which, again, sort of begins for me in the early 2000s, which was really as DVRs and other sort of things started happening that gave viewers the, the opportunity to bypass advertising, brands began to think about, hey, I can, I can connect my, con my, my brand and my message to content that they're choosing to, to consume. And I think that a lot of it, though, initially was done very tactically, very opportunistically, uh, and almost done because it felt like the thing to do. It was another one of those. It was the new, new thing. It was the hot fad. And there are dangers with that, which is that people don't approach it strategically. And, and they do stuff, and in a lot of cases, that was really blatant, ham-handed kind of product placements that I think really failed to resonate with audiences and failed to impact brands and, and, and ticked off a lot of people on the content side. 
and, and and so it kind of there was a feeling among some marketers that hey maybe maybe this isn't maybe this is just hype um, maybe this isn't the answer but but in fact what you have now is that brands really understand that they have permission from consumers to be storytellers themselves and, and to basically engage audiences in new ways and deeper ways through content, not just by putting their, their, their you know, logo, slapping that into some existing piece of content, by actually, but actually helping to bring about relevant stories that their audience wants to engage with and, and, and put those forward you know, in a variety of ways. The, the ubiquity of digital video has certainly helped the explosion of this. But but I think most importantly is that brands now see it as a strategic, accountable, measurable part of their marketing mix and not just some cool check-the-box tactic. And it means that their approach to it is much more disciplined and their results are much better. And, and on the other side of the fence, the, the creative community, I think, and the Hollywood community early on maybe just saw brands as, as a checkbook and as another source of funding but didn't think that they had anything valuable to add, you know, creatively to the process. And that mindset has now changed as well. I love your reference to the uh, product placement in Renaissance paintings. I can just see that he's holding the grapes over his privates. What type of grapes are those? Ah, they're Napa grapes. The best in the world. Yes, exactly. Scott? The dresses, okay, fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's uh, Scott Donathan and Ray and Brad here on the Advertising Show. Stay with us for more. We've got uh, a couple more segments with Scott here. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Dr. Weir's mystery will be continued shortly. Say, by the way, Doctor, is mystery... Rain Brad back here at the Advertising Show with Scott Donaton, President and CEO of Ensemble uh, Media Brands, Interpublic uh, Media Brands, uh, also named one of the 21 most intriguing people in media. That's true. Uh, before launching Ensemble, Scott served as a publisher of Entertainment Weekly. During his tenure, the title was named one of Adweek's magazine brand leaders. You've accomplished a lot. You're only, what, 23 now at this point? Uh, yeah, if you don't multiply that by two. Oh, that's fine. Okay. That's, right. that's still a lot to accomplish over that period of time. Scott, always a pleasure to have you here. Welcome back. Thank you. And when they added Scott, they made it a list of 21. It was supposed to only be 20, by the way. I um, wanted to ask you, Scott, uh, in doing some background, I read a quote on Media Brand's website that says, people are increasingly distracted in their media consumption and brands need to find a way to become a part of what people are watching and reading rather than relying on, between, on the in-between of it, so to speak. So I'm curious, to your way of thinking, Scott, where does traditional media fit in all of this? Well, I mean, I think traditional media is absolutely still relevant, but it's more about um, how the consumer chooses to consume that media. So, so sometimes people get too hung up on the platforms. Is it going to be print? Is it the iPad? Is, it, is television dead? Is it alive? Are newspapers dead? Are they alive? And I think it really comes down to whether you're a consumer brand, whether you're a quote-unquote newspaper. Or, it really comes down to do you have something relevant? Audiences, at the end of the day, I don't think they're worried about the platform or the source of the information. They don't, they don't want to be deceived about the source of the information. But is this worth my time? Is this entertaining or informative? And is it, is it content that's worth my time? And if, if your company can deliver that, I think the rest of it falls into place. I, I think that we're too often hooked on 
you know, which is the next technology or the next gimmick to grab people as opposed to just when you have their attention, what do you have that's worthwhile to say to them? Yeah, that's a good point. I'm curious about some of uh, the approaches that Ensemble provides some of your clients these days to leverage their brands uh, into an entertainment venue, if you will. Can you share with us maybe some real-world examples of some recent innovative ideas Ensemble has uh, brought to your clients? Sure, and in fact, most of the things that we're about to do and this, this, uh, that, that are sexiest are, are things that I can't yet talk about, but the process is a really interesting one, uh, which, is, which is really what we try and do is we, we start on the brand side with understanding, okay, w- what is the challenge that the brand is trying to, to confront in the marketplace, or what is the opportunity that they see, what is the audience they want to reach, what are the values and essence of the brand, and then on the, you know, how do we see that they could use content to help advance that process. But on the other hand, what I think is really unique about the process is, is that we have relationships with about 200 content creators across platforms. And these range from some of the biggest names, the Mark Burnett's, Ben Silverman's of the world, Simon Fuller's, you know, down to kind of one person, uh, you know, digital content creators uh, working out of, you know, their, 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 their homes. And, and, the, and the goal is to understand how brands can access their creativity and their storytelling skills because in, in essence, this is the world's largest creative department. These are people who, who gather audiences and tell stories for a living, and they, they are very eager to kind of use their brains to help brands figure out how to do this. So we, we've got you know, cases where we're developing uh, digital webisodes that are spinoffs maybe of existing TV shows where the audience really has a hunger to go deeper, to learn more, maybe to follow a storyline in a different path. We have brands that we're connecting to shows before they're on the air so that it's not a matter of or before they even have a distribution partner or a network partner so it's not about slapping a logo onto an already made show but about building the essence of the show uh, you know in from the ground up uh, with the brand but across the agencies that I work with there have been some fabulous examples of brands that have made great use of this Uh, Johnson & Johnson has, has done quite a bit in the digital video space uh, with brands like Clean and Clear and AccuView, they did they did a big uh, promotion uh, with uh, 90210 around prom night and, and girls heading towards prom night with Clean and Clear. That was actually you know led both to kind of record results for the brand and record viewership of, of those episodes with a lot of cross promotion and consumer tie-ins and you know again it's it's at the end of the day it's not about a product placement or or the or, or some the way something appears on set. It's about how it reaches an audience and, and, and the ways in which it matches up with the equities of the brand. Well, you're the ideal person to ask this next question. NBC has owned up to the practice of so-called behavior pla- uh, placement, the planting of subtle messages in popular TV shows to encourage certain viewer behavior, such as healthy eating or eco-conscious habits. Behavior placement is supposed to be designed, among other things, to convince sponsors that their brands will be associated with feel-good, socially aware shows. Your thoughts on this practice? Is this something that you might bring to your or might get your attention, Scott? I think it's really interesting, and again, I think it's just a matter of yeah, how how do you kind of, as people are engaging with this, and, and again, taking certain cues about how they want to behave or, or, or what they see other people doing from that programming, if that means using it for, for some social good, that's a fabulous thing. And if that's done through the meals that somebody's consuming or, or, or you know, through, I think as long as it's not, you know, done in an underhanded way, and I don't think that's what they're talking about, because that's always the fear, right? It's almost like the, uh, 
the old, uh, you know, the hidden subliminal advertising approach. That that stuff is not happening. But if you're going to show these behaviors anyway, and the degree that these characters are not necessarily role models, certainly, but that people just kind of watch and take certain cues uh, from the content that they're consuming, why not? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I know that one of their objectives, as I mentioned, is an incentive to spend, uh, to have new advertisers spending money on network TV that would otherwise have had those dollars go elsewhere. And they've already done this through, uh, you know, popular 30 Rock, uh, The Office, and Top Chef, and other programs where they give these subtle messages. But I guess uh, the jury's still out as to whether they're moving dollars sideways or really attracting new advertisers to to those types of programs. Do you have any sense of that, Scott? Yeah, I don't yet, but but the key is that, that dollars will go, uh, will follow innovation. And and the, for too long, a lot of these, you know, legacy business models in media, people have been trying to protect them rather than adapt to the changes in the marketplace. And and I think that what, what brands really want to see are new forms of solutions and new ways of, of engaging audiences. And, and some of those will work in the end and some of them won't. But, but the key to whether a marketer spends their dollars or not, I think, is that you can't sort of bring them, you know, the old tried-and-true solution, and you certainly can't be seen to be defensive of a particular model, but rather to say, we understand the consumer behavior is changing, and we're going to sort of give you the insights and the solutions to, to follow that change and take advantage of it. On the advertising show, Ray Schillens, Brad Forsyth, and out of New York uh, this weekend, it's Scott Donaton, a, a regular guest here at the show, and he is now president and CEO of Ensemble. Uh, by the way, it's MediaBrandsWW.com, the official website, uh, to check out what uh, Scott is doing there as president and CEO. Yeah, Scott, talk a little bit about the role of broadband video and the experimentation that's taking place today with advertisers, and in particular, uh, you might want to give an example or two of some recent efforts that you've done for your clients uh, in the digital content category that would be along these lines. Sure. I mean, uh, you know, what's great about digital video is that it, it provided a, a, a number of things for brands as it really, you know, sort of became something that everyone could access in multiple ways and, and was accessing. That That's one of the main things is consumers are really, you know, pulling this stuff down in, in, in record numbers. But for brands... A, it, it lowered the cost of entry. So there was this feeling that when you're dealing with film placement or, or television integration, you're often dealing with some, some very, you know, large budgets. And, and digital video is a place where for brands that maybe want to kind of take a, a step into the content space, you know, without spending $20 million or even $5 million, you, there, there are things that can be done in this space for you know, significantly less, you know, several hundred thousand dollars into a million dollars of very high production quality. And with top storytellers, that's the other thing, is a lot of, you know, Hollywood's best and brightest, they want to try their hand at, at creating in this platform. Sometimes it's about just stretching and trying a new medium. Sometimes it's an actor who wants to direct. Um, you know, and there, there are all these kind of ways that you can access a lot of sort of A-list talent through digital video. There are also very sort of more tried-and-true measures of, of how you benchmark success and results so that the area seems less squishy for brands. So it's an accountable medium. It's a more affordable medium. It's now a ubiquitous medium, and uh, consumers love, you know, consuming digital video. And, and you know, it, it's really turned out to be a, a great thing in kind of helping product placement and branded entertainment and content take that next step. Um, for a lot more brands and a lot more categories. 
And, uh, you know, we, we've, we've seen uh, some great uses of it by uh, some of our clients, Calls Jr., by Kia, uh, you know, whether to connect with the youth culture, to connect through music, to, to connect through entertainment. And, and that's just going to really continue to expand dramatically. When it comes to uh, distribution of, uh, of uh, broadband video, other than the obvious, YouTube and some other places, anything innovative going on in distribution? Uh, yeah, there's, there's there's a lot of stuff. I mean, basically all of the networks and all of the all of the studios are getting involved in distribution. There are a lot more, you know, YouTube in, in the creation of their branded channels, MSN and Yahoo, with their ability to really target audiences and turn a fire hose on. You know, one of the one of the issues with this kind of content is that early on we saw people who were creating digital videos and sometimes some really interesting, cool stuff. But then they weren't getting the distribution right. They were kind of trying to say, okay, I'm going to put this on my corporate website and wait for people to come to it. And, and guess what? Nobody came. And, and that was, you know, that, that, was a, that was really, and there's still some of that that goes on. But it's, it's, it's fairly easy now. And, the, and again, one of the other beauties of this medium is you can really target the audience. Sometimes when you do something in television, and television is a great medium, but if a network is putting your show on in a certain time slot, how that show gets shaped is almost more around the audience that they know they already have that they want to retain from the lead-in show that they want to keep into the next show and so the you know the content has to shape around that on the web you can really start with the content you want to create and then target the audience and find them where they are Scott is is Hollywood more open today than they used to be when it comes to working with brands and if so is this have more to do with the economy or is this really an attitude shift or what's going on uh they definitely are and it has to do with a, a variety of factors but i kind of describe it as this is a little bit of a or 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 a large generalization but you know, 5 years ago you know hollywood said basically, oh, wait a minute, you guys have money? Uh, you have a wallet over there that I haven't <laughs> tapped into yet? Um, sure, I'll, uh, you know, write me a check, and, and but, but get out of the room. We're the creatives, you know. Uh, and then two years ago, it was kind of, oh, okay, I understand that, that since you wrote the check, you, you want to sit in the room with us, but, you know, you don't sh- try not to talk too much, <laughs> you know. And now they truly uh, have embraced brands as partners. And I think that's a number of things. First of all, brands have gotten more sophisticated in respecting you know, they're not walking in just going, make my logo bigger and turn the can a little more so I can see it. And, you know, they, they actually, if anything, brands really say, hey, I respect you. You know how to talk to this audience. You know what a great story is. You know how to tell this. And, and I, I love the fact that I get to work with this creator. So that they have, brands have a better understanding of and, and, and more respect for that creative process. But I think creatives also, some of this is necessity, the business models of, of Hollywood have been as disrupted by new technologies as everybody else's have, so they understand they can't be arrogant, they have to find new ways to work themselves, but they also understand that brands can truly be partners. If you're in the music business, let's say, you know, again, it used to be, you could go back, it was like a sellout, right, if an artist engaged with a brand. Well, now, sure. in fact, that you don't have videos on television, that you don't have radio easy to break new artists as a platform to break new artists if you if you're a music label and you're looking to break a new artist a, a collaboration with a brand in some cases is the only way you're going to do that and so you're now actively pursu- pursuing excuse me that kind of relationship as opposed to dreading it so there there's absolutely an embrace on the hollywood side and and it's been good for everyone one final question, Scott. Let's imagine somebody's listening today and they've got a decent budget but they've never really 
embarked on any kind of branded entertainment effort, where do they start other than calling hey. ensemble? <laughs> and that number is... Hey, too obvious, huh? <laughs> You know, I think they have to start with, um, again, how do you do it strategically rather than tactically? And that means, you know, have a content strategy. Too many people go after things opportunistically. Somebody gets them a meeting, they hear something sexy in that meeting, it's a chance to engage with Hollywood, and they go, oh, that sounds cool, I should do that. As opposed to sit back and just kind of say, okay, here are all the things I'm using. Here are my various tools that I'm using in marketing. Let's say it's, you know, direct marketing here and television commercials there and here's my print ads do and here's what my marketing doesn't do right now and here's what my brand stands for here's the audience I want to reach and here here are the ways that I can understand what they do so you know and, and how do you look at kind of the emotional benefits of a product and not just sort of the practical benefits we work with uh, SC Johnson they have the off brand well you can look at off and say is that a mosquito repellent and you say no actually off is a vacation enhancer hmm. and then that can drive the kind of programming that you might engage with and that your audience might engage with and, and, and how they view the role of the brand in their lives and really kind of using that to help define the type of content that you get involved with as opposed to a cool chance to, to jump on something uh, opportunistically or tactically. Becoming the uh, part of the Johnson & Johnson family, it's also a great dessert topping and does a great job on your floors as well. It was exactly. wonderful. Thank you very much. Hey, we are literally out of time here. Scott, you are an incredibly uh, wonderful person to chat with and uh, obviously an important part of the marketing uh, and advertising community, not only uh, here in the United States, but globally as well. Always a blast to have you here on the show, and we wish you the best as you lead Ensemble to, uh, to New Heights as your president and CEO, Media Brands. Uh, com is the website and as always we'll promise to have you back more often in the future we, we sincerely will do that I can't wait it's been a, it's been a blast being here thank you <laughs> on the advertising show Ray Schillen's Brad Forsyth thank you Scott for being a part of the advertising show and uh, we appreciate you listening to tell your friends the advertising show.com is the website lots and lots and lots of folks over the past decade that we've had the ability and the pleasure to talk to here at the Advertising Show, Ray Schill and Brad Forsyth. Next week, back with more fun. We hope you'll be here, too. The Advertising Show is being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show is a copyrighted Big Radio Midgets production. Talk to you soon. Why do more media professionals read IWantMedia.com? IWantMedia.com features reports from industry leaders and media personalities. IWantMedia.com gives you quick access to news, stats, trade orgs, and industry publications, and it's updated daily. Forbes says IWantMedia.com contains everything media professionals need to stay ahead of the game. The Washington Post calls it the source for the serious media geek. Do you get it? If you don't, you should. To sign up for free daily email alerts, visit IWantMedia.com.